Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. Meet the Disruptive Technology Officer of the Gender and Economic Inclusion Group within the International Finance Corporation, which is part of the World Bank. Meet Charlotte Benedicta Nitten. Charlotte has been deep diving into the research and analysis of e-commerce and the opportunities this online trading technology can provide women, particularly in Africa and Southeast Asia. During our conversation, Charlotte is going to share the findings of her team's work and answer some of the questions around whether online trading can help women access markets and what businesses and others can do to help level the playing field. Charlotte's own journey follows a path from commerce to social impact too, and I think she's going to share with us a little more about her story and what she's learned along the way. Charlotte, welcome. Thanks for having me, Katie. It's great to have you. Great to be here. Yeah, it's cool. Charlotte, for our first question for our conversation today, I really want to understand a bit more. You've been doing some work on e-commerce and women. Could you share a little bit about what e-commerce actually is and what's triggered this research for you? Excellent. Thanks so much, Katie. So IFC's Gender and Economic Inclusion Group works with partners in the private sector to better understand and find ways to close gender gaps across a range of sectors. And in my role, I focus primarily on the tech sector, where our approach has been to really look at ways that we can plug knowledge gaps about how women are using digital technologies so that we can better inform our partners and our clients about what they stand to gain from including women and other underserved groups, whether it be in their companies or in serving their consumers. And that's the exact same approach that we've taken with e-commerce. So for for those who might not know, e-commerce is the act of electronically buying or selling products using an online marketplace or a service provider. And it's actually, I think, one of those more nebulous parts of the, the tech industry because we all acknowledge that it's a feature of modern economies, but no one's ever really done a deep dive to critically understand some of the most basic things like how many women are using e-commerce or how they're performing. And ultimately, can we categorically say that e-commerce provides a means for women to boost their access to jobs, to markets, and to assets? What we do know is what some of the more very well-documented things like a trillion-dollar financing gap for SMEs or the fact that Globally, women's use of the internet consistently falls short compared to men's. And that's what's really triggered this research, because for IFC, we really wanted to delve into better understanding whether the emergence of these digital models actually helps women overcome some of these barriers, or if the existing gaps in digital and financial inclusion mean that the tech industry risks leaving women behind entirely. And why is this something that you personally are interested in? Mm. And, and why is the IFC backing it? 
So it's interesting because for me, I think, and, and for a lot of people who may be listening in, a lot of people might identify with the fact that the pandemic has fused our personal and professional lives together. And for me, 10 years ago, I was working in the e-commerce space, working with a leading footwear retailer called Aldo Shoes. And interestingly enough, e-commerce at the time was something that very few people fully understood. But as a global company, I got an opportunity to work with franchise partners across the world in over 80 and over 17 markets. And what I recognized even at the time was that depending on where you were in the world, e-commerce always looks different. So let's say you happen to be someone who has very limited experience or bandwidth to, to have your own online store, yet you have a very highly engaged audience online. It may simply be a question of posting pictures on social media and having people message you to see if they can purchase that product. Whereas in maybe more advanced economies or people with, the, with more financial bandwidth and technical resources, they actually have the ability to set up their own online store and manage the process all the way from merchandising through to delivery. And for me, having left the fashion industry in pursuit of a career in social impact at a global scale, it, it was so surprising to find myself back in the exact same spot with the exact same set of questions and issues in what is a completely different professional environment at IFC. But I think that's also what makes IFC quite unique because IFC backs research like this and others based on our mandate of wanting to create markets and unlock value where others haven't been able. But in order to do that, you need to also fully appreciate the, what barriers have kept those pockets of value locked to begin with. Um, and I think as an organization, it goes back to also recognizing that true impact requires collective action. So it's not enough to simply be an international organization with an ambitious mandate. It's also really about moving that mandate forward through private sector engagement and partnerships. Wow, I love the story that you literally have come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> it really did feel like that. <laughs> like, I'm sure I've been here before. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious what this research has, has actually found, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are the findings? Excellent. So I think it's important to, to mention that we actually produced two reports, one focused on Southeast Asia and another on Africa. Um, the event that we're going to be hosting at BFP actually focuses on the opportunity in Africa. And in both contexts, we combined research data from leading e-commerce platforms in Africa. It was Jumia with surveys of women and men vendors in three countries, Cote d'Ivoire, Kenya, and Nigeria. Beyond that, we also run interviews with sellers and stakeholders in those countries, and also internationally, just to add a, a little bit more color and nuance to what was already quite a heavy and quantitatively robust set of data. So, so beyond that, the, the set or, or drawing from that, the standout finding is certainly the nearly $15 billion that African e-commerce platforms stand to gain from closing gender gaps. So our research details how we can capture this growth in two key ways. 
The first and most obvious to many will be by recruiting more women to sell through e-commerce platforms. And the second, and what I think is, is more important, is by bringing women's sales to parity with those of men. In order to do that, we need to first, though, understand where we are today. So our research finds that across the three countries that we studied in Africa, comparing the share of women on Jumia to the share of registered women-owned businesses and national databases, women are actually a lot more active on e-commerce. And that's even in markets where it's still relatively smaller and nascent, like Côte d'Ivoire. But we also saw that women and men use e-commerce quite differently. To start with, their motivations are different. So on the Jumia platform, women are more likely to report joining to grow an existing business, while men are more likely to join to start a completely new business. And even though women feature more prominently on e-commerce compared to the broader economy, and obviously they come to e-commerce with some, some business experience, if you're looking to expand a business, women's businesses on e-commerce platforms are still smaller than men's. A higher percentage of them actually wouldn't even be counted as SMEs. They're micro enterprises, so very, very small. But that being said, we, we do see evidence through our reports that e-commerce can help women break this cycle. I always think of one interview that we had, for instance, with uh, a woman seller based in Lagos, Nigeria, who told us about the, the difficulties that she's had selling electronics. Because as a woman selling electronics or anything technology related, you have to navigate so many stereotypes, so much mistrust when you're selling it in person. But what she described was what I see as a democratizing power of e-commerce in being able to engage with customers without having to necessarily put yourself out there, show who you are. And in that way, in, in contexts where it might be difficult to, to navigate, um, finding success in selling in a much more highly profitable sector like electronics, simply because of that invisible cloak that selling online provides you. And finally, and not very surprising in, in a lot of ways, we see this in a lot of different sectors, women value training and business support a lot more highly than men. But rather than this simply being an indication of their lack of skills, we actually see this as, as, as portraying an actual desire to grow more sustainable businesses for the long term. Wow. And I just want to go back to that number, 15 mm. billion, Charlotte. That's a huge number. Um, how can e-commerce platforms support those sort of women-owned businesses to grow and potentially to, to reach that potential? I mean, what can the e-commerce platforms do themselves? Very good question. And it's, it's interesting, $15 billion is astounding, but even more astounding when you look at it the other way, which is that for each year that we don't achieve gender parity in earnings on e-commerce platforms, e-commerce platforms are losing just under $3 billion. So that, that's equally astounding when you look at it from uh, a profit and loss perspective. But we, we think it's actually very achievable. And we think that it's one that e-commerce platforms can achieve if they support women a lot better in, first of all, getting the finance they need to grow their online businesses, if they support them to receive additional training, support and networking opportunities through their platform, because that's something that a lot of women have voiced that they want and that they benefit from. And of course, 
if they're able to encourage and recruit more women to pursue selling online. I think it's important to mention here, one of the the really cool things that we saw was a lot of women beyond being active participants in e-commerce were also avid users of social media. Um, And there's some evidence that if you are not perhaps at a stage where you can, you, you feel confident enough to fully sell online, you can still sell or, or engage with customers through Instagram, through Facebook, through WhatsApp. And perhaps this could also be another avenue where e-commerce platforms, through the training and support that they provide, help women transition from more informal sales through social commerce to more formal sales through e-commerce platforms. But ultimately, there's a clear opportunity for the industry to enhance earnings for themselves and for women on their platforms, while also boosting economic development by ensuring no one is left behind in the process. Amazing. It's not very often I get completely blown away by bits of research. (laughs) This is a a goldmine. Um, so for anybody listening to this podcast, I am going to put the research links into the words that sit alongside the podcast. And um, also, Charlotte mentioned there's uh, an event that's happening live. If you happen to be listening to this before the event, fantastic, come and join us. If you happen to be listening to it afterwards, we'll make sure that there are recordings that you guys can get hands on. And I guess, I guess that, Charlotte, there's that piece where actually there are so many companies now who have e-commerce is part of their value chains one way or another you know you don't necessarily need to be an e-commerce platform per se but actually this research will potentially really help all sorts of companies understand how to better engage across their value chains absolutely that's really what we hope and the report actually has a series of recommendations and key interventions that not just e-commerce platforms can do but investors and policymakers as well Okay, lots of lots of reasons to go and have a look at yeah. that. Before. <laughs> um, now, Charlotte, just to round off our conversation, we care deeply about the people behind doing the work, and mm-hmm. you mentioned already that you came out of the fashion sector, that you've been part of the private sort of business sector. You're obviously, working for the IFC now, but I happen to know you've also done a whole load of kind of really deep investment into your own kind of academic foundations mm-hmm. through that journey. Thinking of how we kind of, I guess, stretch out and support one another to further careers, but also deepen deepen your impact. What would be your kind of key lessons that you've learned along the way that you feel like you would like to have known when you sort of set out? Absolutely. And I think this this one goes particularly to those who have very traditional African parents who may not be sure of what path they're on, but know that there are several things that they are interested in and ultimately want to make an impact. I started out in the fashion industry. I left the fashion industry in search of meaning and wanting to have a bigger impact through my work and have found my way to the development space where the problems are big and huge and probably will not be fixed in my lifetime. But I think it's always been helpful for me to, first of all, have a clear sense of an anchor. What is it that drives me? Some might call it, what is my why? And for me, it's, it's, it's drawn from where I'm from, coming from a generation that maybe, or, or, or a place where three generations ago, my grandfather was a fisherman and could not read or write. And I say that with pride because we've seen in our family just that transformation that development brings, that education brings. 
And that for me is the anchor that I hold in, in every work, every piece of work that I do, even in the fashion industry, all the way through to the development space and knowing that I'm building on something that someone, someone else can take and run forward with. I also think it's very important. And this is something that I've been a bit more intentional about more recently than in the past. Build your own tribe, build your set of people who will challenge you, encourage you, and ultimately lead you to be the best version of yourself in whatever it is that you're doing. And I don't say this in terms of merely like-minded people. I think there's actually so much more value when you reach out beyond your comfort zone to people who are from markedly different environments, markedly different career paths as well. And and that in itself brings a, a whole different mindset, a whole different approach to how you, you see your own path in, in, in growing and making an impact as well. And finally, uh, based off of my own experience, I would say where there is no path, make one. I left the fashion industry not completely sure of where I was going, but knowing that ultimately I wanted to be a force for good in the world. And that's not to say that, that the fashion industry isn't a force for good. I think there are people in the fashion industry that are doing phenomenal things. And retail as an industry has, is, is, is powerful for a reason. But I think wherever you, you think you can make a difference, wherever you think that your, your expertise can either help people move forward, help communities move forward. You don't need to have a path. You just need to take a step forward. And ultimately, the path will, will, will reveal itself. Oh, good advice there, Charlotte. I was making copious notes in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, I'm going to close our conversation. Charlotte, it's been a complete pleasure talking with you today. And thank you so much for sharing the work that you're doing yeah and also your brilliant re- suggestions and insights and expertise so charlotte thank you very much thank you very much katie and if you like what you've heard today please do rate and subscribe to us i would also love to hear your feedback so please do drop me a line at any time i'm katie at businessfightspoverty.org many thanks brought to you by business fights poverty 